This is a podcast from Minute Media. Feet there goes Margot. The throw from Garneau. Good throw. In time to get him. Right on the money from Dustin Garneau. And uh, welcome here to Tigers Radio. We are pleased to be joined by a real live big leaguer, uh, Dustin Garneau, the catcher for the Detroit Tigers. Dustin, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we typically ask uh, our, our guests uh, the first time they come on uh, about their earliest baseball memory. So I don't know if there's anything that sticks out for you growing up as a kid. Earliest baseball memory, probably Little League back in my town and uh, playing All-Stars. I hit two homers in a game that sent us to a uh, the next round of All-Star. That's like my earliest remember that I can remember in, uh, in baseball. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, the power was showing through early. No, no, no. I don't know what was going on back then or now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we were going to get into that in a little bit because, you know, I, I you had some some good seasons in the minors with power, you know, double digit home runs several times. But uh, you come to Detroit last year and you go Babe Ruth. I think it was <laughs> five or six home runs and, and a handful of doubles and like 60 at bats. It was there. Uh, you know, Rahelia was saying that the, there was an article about a swing change. I don't Did you uh, was anything really severe happening there? Or did you uh, feel like it was kind of one of those weird things? It's more like baby Ruth, not Babe Ruth, at least. So, but uh <laughs> I had a few a few adjustments that kind of clicked last year, and when I got back up there with Cooley and the guys that were there, and the the, uh, the adjustments I made translate to the game. And luckily, I'm, if I'm able to at least barrel a baseball and have a productive bat, being down an eight nine hole, it's productive for the team. And when they go out of the ballpark, it's just more fortunate for them to help the team out even more. Yeah, and you know it seems to be carrying over into the spring as well. You know, you, you got a hold of one just the other day. We're like, man, what is going on with Dustin Godot? This is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, it, I mean, like, so the thing was, we, we write for a website here, and when the Tigers uh, signed you to the minor league deal last year, I had to do some research. And, and when I was doing that, some of the first things that popped up, of course, were, were tweets from Jerry Weinstein. I don't know if it's pronounced Weinstein <laughs> or uh, you know, he's like the, the best catching follow on, on Twitter. Uh, and you must yep. have had a bunch of time with him because you're coming up to the Rocky system. So I'm curious, uh, curious what you could say about him. Jerry's the man. He's uh, he's one of the best catching lines I've been around in baseball because he's not stuck in his ways. He did it a one way for a long time, but he's one of the most open-minded coaches I've ever been a part of. And he still continues to change the game of catching his mind for, for the athletes that he works with, which and for me is one of the best things you can do as a coach and not be just ingrained in this old dogmatic approach of catching or baseball in general. So he's, in my opinion, one of the best out there. Yeah, and it seems like part of, you know, so much of, of catching over the last decade or where people were talking about framing and, you know, the, suddenly like the one knee set up and framing up and things like that. And, and so a lot, has, a lot has changed. But, uh, of course, now you've got a manager who was a catcher. Is yeah. A.J. Hinch going to, like, pull you aside and try to give you catching tips? Or, or do you guys just kind of go, like, all right, yeah, I get it. Okay, I'm, <laughs> you were coaching me. Right? Uh, not so much catching tips, but as far as like game management stuff is more where I pick his brain with uh, Josh Paul, our, our quality control coach. He's our catching guy that I'll go to. But uh, I've luckily I've had JP. I've had well, JP is a bench coach actually with the Angels, who I had Osmus there as a catcher, also playing for Bob Melvin. So I've had some really good managers and catchers and kind of pick the brains of everybody now they would either running a staff and most importantly, obviously running the pitchers in, in, during a game. So that's where I think AJ has helped me the most over the past year that game. Action. Yeah. You know, from an outsider, you know, I quit playing baseball when I was about 14. I was a pitcher. I don't know. Did you catch it all? 
I caught for five years. Well, no, yeah, no, closer, closer seven years. But then when I realized I couldn't throw down a second anymore, when things just got a little harder, that's when I stopped. But, you know, in terms of gear, it's changed quite a bit into what's going on now. There's with Force 3 and some of the things we're reading about, Kevlar in there now. I mean, my catcher's gear was literally just a padding. And every time I got hit, I felt it. I mean, I was just, and then when I started throwing curveballs, even worse. I don't even want to think about those days, but. Talk, talk about the differences in catching gear. It just seems like there's advances in it every single year. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing, especially the stuff that Force. This is my first time wearing Force Three, and I've been impressed from the get go. They sent me stuff in the off season to uh, to try and try and get used to before I came into spring training. And a lot of times with catching gear, you kind of have to break it in or kind of mold around your either the chest or the, the shin guards and stuff. But the stuff went and basically fit right to a my, my limbs as much as I wanted to, and that's not even including the mask, what they're basically known for and how the ball can basically be absorbed and impact wise. And it has obviously people call it like the rhino horn on the helmet. Cause they don't, they're, they're the only ones really use the mask that goes above the forehead. But I got clipped actually yesterday on a, uh, I was going to be throwing down and the foul ball hit me straight in the face and I didn't, I didn't even feel it. So the testament to that, and then like taking over the concussions of people, I know a bunch of big leaguers and umpires are using them from that are now. And, the way it just absorbs like a shot to the face from a baseball, it's second to none. Yeah, you know, I was reading, we, we saw the uh, the little press release there where they talked about like the patented spring technology uh, that, you know, absorbs the impact. And uh, You're a professional. I'm not. The first thing I thought of is is I would have like gone and bet the, the bullpen catcher to like, I'll buy you dinner if you get 45 feet away from the uh, the pitching machine. <laughs> Did anybody yeah. try it? Or is that not really go on in, in professional bullpens? No, that was like Happy Gilmore, man. You can just step in the ring and just take the balls. No, I'm going to take their science first and then try that later in the game. <laughs> but also, I mean, you talked about you got clipped the other day. One of the things, and I, I was talking about this a second ago, is, is to me catching is the hardest position in all of professional sports, uh, not just physically, but all the mental stuff to it from, you know, preparing for the game and, and kneeling and all that stuff. So I'm kind of curious, just from a professional catcher's perspective, what is the hardest thing for you? Yeah, it, uh, in my opinion, obviously, I'm going to be a little biased. It's the hard, like pitchers have the hardest job because they have to, they, starting pitchers at least, have to go and get hopefully three times through the lineup. We have the toughest job as far as physically wise, but what people don't see or they can't experience is we usually get about 15 seconds between pitches to have everything that's going on in the game basically process or ahead for the next pitch. At least that's kind of how I feel about it as the scoreboard is going to dictate what I can call. The guy in the box is going to dictate how I'm going to call it. The guy in the mounds and also dictate what he's feeling good for that day. And I have to kind of make that chess match puzzle piece move every single pitch that I'm calling a game because literally from pitch one of the game, you could lose a game and one up. And if you make the wrong call or you're just kind of flying by the seat. So it's really the game within the game that I love, but the people don't really understand is that there's so much information going through our heads in that 15 seconds that, it gets kind of crazy sometimes, especially when obviously the game gets on the line and you're trying to find the right piece to put in the, in, during the game at least. I mean, from, from my experience too, it's when you have a hitter, for example, last time struck on a curveball, but this time might be sitting on it. How much of that is a mental part of that too when you're talking to the pitcher, when you have that kind of going back and forth with the pitcher going, okay, well, this worked last time. And if he thinks it's going to work again, but you might know the hitter better or the kind of scouting that goes into that, that has to be probably so strenuous especially how you're talking about how everything sets up. You're going to be back in your position. And then from there, you're going, oh, man, wait. And just try to remember all that at one time. Yeah, that's the biggest aspect of, uh, especially when you go like third, fourth time through the lineup of if you consistently beat a guy one time, let's say, obviously, let's say the best example for Mike Trout. If I've beaten Trouty 
two or three times a certain way, I'm not going to go back to that unless I absolutely have to. Now, that being said, if it's into our scatter report and that's where we can beat them, then I have to use one or two of the pitches to kind of get back to that. Because obviously there's humans in the box. As, as much as the data is going to say do this and that, they can make adjustments just as good as anybody, and these are the best hitters in the game. So there's certain ways of going. Now, obviously, if there's a guy who's just off, and I can kind of tell that he's just not touching a certain pitch, then I'm not going to get my pitcher hurt by going to something that he can actually do damage on for that at that game and that time of the game. But for the most part, every swing, every take a guy takes, I could, there's like a best quote I've ever heard as someone who told me was uh, a catcher. He said that, Catchers live a half second ahead of everybody else. I can see as that ball's coming in, how a, man, a guy is reacting in the box. As I catch it, I can see how he took it or swung at it. And all that gets processed for the next pitch for how I'm going to determine the call. Yeah, there's, it, there's so much more to the game than I think, you know, a lot of people realize or, or you know, and, and maybe they shouldn't have to think about all that or they get stressed out watching a baseball <laughs> game. But, but I, I am kind of curious, like, so let's say A.J. Hinch comes to you on opening day, he says, you're going to catch Sunday. You're going to catch Scoobal or whatever. When do you start preparing for that? Well, before the series, I just, and especially if I'm, if I'm going to be two or three games deep in the series and it's kind of going to go as the, I'm going to watch the games as they go. Cause our scatter reports and everything go into a series are going to change probably from any one or on, or they can stay the same for a whole series. And then uh, for me as a backup catcher, I have to be the most in tune of the game. Maybe not as tuned as the, as say Tucker, if he's in there playing, but, I have to be in tune and know what's going on because if I do get put in that game and I'm not prepared, I'm going to get exposed real quick and lose the game for the team. And I can't have that. Now, the caveat is if I go into a game that's uh, as, as a starter, I have to learn from pitch one and then kind of backtrack out of our in-game strategy or continue with that as the game goes on for Scoob or whoever it's going to be. And speaking of Scoobal in, in the rotation, I mean, you're talking about this, the Manning, this is an impressive young rotation. And for you being a, a veteran catcher and is it more or less like just um, in terms of trusting their stuff and, and do you provide any kind of guidance because you've been around, you've seen things and, and these guys are just getting in the league and how does that go among these three starters? Uh, it's, a, it's a give and take. I'm not going to impose my will and they're not going to impose their will on me. And it's, it's going to be me and them and him, whoever's on the mound going back and forth. The biggest thing is like you hear try to get on the same page as the pitcher. And the way I think about that is, is if he does shake, I know what he wants to go to. So we're not doing this back and forth of shake and no shake and shake and no shake to where we can keep the game moving. And we can talk more if I have to go out to the mound or between innings of what we want to do next inning or next time through those guys. But I think a big deal is communicating between innings and know that if he does shake, why does he want to shake to that to call it? So, there's not like you, in my opinion, watching a game and a guy shake, 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 and then steps off. I'm like, oh boy, they're not working well together. And that's what I don't want as a catcher. Yeah. You see that like, you know, as a, as an observer, you see that every now and then where like, uh Oh, going on between the catcher, or the pitcher, or like, you know, they're shaking and then there's a mix up in the, you know, the, the catcher takes yeah. a 95 fastball instead of a breaking ball. And it's like, Oh man, that's, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems scary to me, but uh and then, uh, I mean, I've seen some other things. I don't know if this is, is being used in, in pro ball that's yet. Why we, that's why I work at War. Yeah. We're going to be tweeting about that all year probably. Like, oh, first three moment. Um, <laughs> like, I, I've seen this stuff now where they've got, like, the electronic, the ability to, to call pitches electronically with, like, a wristband. Have you guys messed around with any of that? We were showing it. That's about as far as I'm going to take that uh, as well, we're going to use it or not use it. But we were showing it. and. Uh, 
cyborg baseball is not ready to go yet, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of fans are like robot ups, and it's like, yeah, the, you know, the technology isn't quite there yet, man. Like, you, you got yeah. Roombas that get in the it's, corner of a room. It's good, it's good, but it's it's not it's not going to help baseball at all. Yeah, yeah, it's not yet. I, I for sure. You know, and yeah. one of the the last things I wanted to talk to you about is. As, as baseball fans, one of the coolest things is just always finding like stories. You find these these interesting stories, and some of them are really obvious, like you know, Akil Badu hitting a home run in his first at bat, like something like that. It's like, yeah, that that feels magical. But but I love stories like yours, yeah. where uh, I was looking at your old college team, which was absolutely loaded. Yeah. But uh, I don't think pro scouts quite knew it yet because they weren't drafting all these guys that high. But you know, Chris Davis and Christian Cologne and you and and a guy Nick Ramirez that Tigers fans might remember as a pitcher. Yeah on that team absolutely but, you know, you're you're drafted what 19th round by the rockies and, and kind of slogging through the minors for what five six years uh and, and yeah, then almost seven geez it, it i just wonder how how you persevere through all that there's got to be a lot of self-doubt and a lot of, of wondering if you're doing the right thing at times oh absolutely um you don't want to ever think about it as like financially wise but there was definitely financial burden too as far as like my wife luckily had a job where we can manage at least to be playing minor league baseball and sign for any money so we didn't have it all back on. There's always days where we do want to start a family, don't want to work, and there's a lot of, maybe not self doubt, talking stuff off the cliff. And when I did get called up, most of the season with me, and she was a big aspect of me through the days. And when we finally got called up, it's just, I can't look for the feeling is when you get called up for the first time. And just the, it's just, it's life-changing. It's been life-changing for me since it, it, uh, it happened. And, and the last question, in terms of looking at masks, I know there's the, the of course, the hockey-style ma- mask, which became a little popular before, right before it stopped doing that, and then the traditional mask. Is it just a really, for just terms of personal, personal preference, I mean, is there any kind of difference in vision, or is it just coverage, or what? what is the difference between the two, really? In my opinion, I think the hockey mask is superior than two two piece. Now I know it's going to be a little biased thing that guys are going to question me on. Everybody says the hockey mask is very bulky and it's heavy, and you kind of they say it rings a little more when you get a hit and yada yada. I've used it so long that that doesn't bother me. But what I have noticed over my career is that for the two style, so basically it's just the mask, and then it's kind of just the the hard cap that guys wear. I've watched a lot of guys who have taken back swings of bats from guys and get on the side of the head concussion and with the hockey style mask we have padding basically that goes all the way to our back that's covering our whole head skull and even our jaw so for me it's a huge safety aspect of it too to, to basically protect the whole coconut and not just the front of it at least for the impact of the baseball because i've seen more often than not like you see obviously the big blows of the forehead and stuff like that or to the chin which actually is a big area too where old padding used to have basically one pressure point in the chin so basically like getting punched now it's kind of dispersed up the chin up the cheeks to where it takes the whole face and kind of disperses the energy but that's the it still doesn't protect like the side of the head and that's where I've, wa- I've watched a lot of guys get hit and for me the hockey mask protects the whole head that in that aspect of it too there you guys were mentioning earlier the catcher con and i got to talk about the mid the the mid roll technique which is something that he demonstrated here uh jerry did and i thought that was a pretty cool thing he uh was able to do and and show that and what how important that is for tiger fans a lot of times tiger fans were just last couple of years were wondering about frame rate getting asked more questions about that but i just like the way he demonstrated like, his enthusiasm for it and just yeah i don't know anyway i just wanted to share that real quick before uh we got out of here but no uh, he's uh he, He's got tough for how old he is. I'm going to make fun of him right now because I always call him the old man. 
as a, he is not only trying to trying to get as much information as possible to help yeah, yeah, that was you guys. Oh, sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, oh, really, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know what you got or what you didn't get out of that. Um, oh, it just it was you were saying something about Jersey enthusiasm. No, I was talking about Jerry. Did, yeah. did, you, did you hear? Yeah, yeah, okay. So he, what I was saying is that when he, when you get him talking about baseball, especially catching, he uh, he gets going to where he's so he's so excited to not only just gather information for himself, but to to put it out to all his guys to make them better. And for him, it's always he says it's a buffet. So like, there's so much stuff in catching now. He one knee down, two knee down, all this stuff. And he kind of takes it to where everybody has options and you take it to fit into your catching style. So that's that's why he's one of the best. Yeah, I mean, the, the enthusiasm come, it comes across on Twitter for just for somebody who follows up. I'm like, man, this guy makes catching seem really fun. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if it's uh, quite as fun in practice. It's kind of hard with T, T's and with the C's and T's and B's, it does. you got to kind of decipher his codes too. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to force3progear.com and check out all the, including thigh protection tights, which is something that I wish was around when I played. And uh, I can attest to that quite a bit there. And it, just in terms of getting involved, glad you're some of the technology involved. It just, the shock absorbing, just, I, I just saw a little bit of how it works. And man, it's, I just think about like, Think about a car and all the technology has gone in the car. And now it's almost like a catching yeah. catching gears become essentially like in the 21st century for lack of pardon, the lack of adjective. But it just seems like that's for all this time, it had just leaps and bounds just overnight. It yeah. seems like. Yeah. Obviously you can't protect the whole body because we still can get smoked in the neck and the forearms, all that kind of stuff, which is part of the gig. But the head is a big deal because of all the CT stuff that's come out since football and everything. And it's not really, they say, the big blow that you see where it's the whole baseball to the forehead, but it's all the small ones that lead up to that big one throughout the week. So say you have four or five glancing blows, and if you can minimize those even more to when the big one actually happens, then that's where you're going to save yourself from concussions too. I think Forest Three with their the spring that they have and where they're located and how it takes the the momentum of the baseball is it's pretty good. Especially yeah, especially the way hand injuries are and there's so much more data that needs to come out. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us. I know today's your off day as the Tigers kick back off tomorrow and we'll see you next week in Detroit. Absolutely, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Absolutely, good luck. Thank you.